so so my my proposal was that we have like a cell phone tossing tradition where you know once a year everybody specifics of this vj um because i feel like you might lose a few citizens with this one but it could be really good for the economy to One Weird Thought with uh, Kiran and Vijay. Uh, today, uh, I'm joining you from the same place. I always join you in Snamish at my desk. Um, can't really say I've shaken things up. Uh, I have Today, I've actually moved about four inches to the right uh, just to kind of shake things up a bit. Uh, oh, Kieran, fantastic. Uh, what I'm about you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. We moved from... Chile. So we went from Santiago to uh, Huanchaco, Peru. So I'm coming at you about two minutes from a beach, region. So I don't mean to, you know, make you envious or anything, but I I am planning on surfing for the next three weeks. Got to get beach ready. I'm certainly not beach ready already. And we're both leading such fascinating lives. I mean, there you are surfing for three weeks, and and I've spent four hours today on a, on a single slide of a PowerPoint deck. Um, actually, did I say four right. hours? Yeah, it's yeah, it was four hours. I don't know which one is you know, more exciting for me to contemplate. Like, I'm a little bit envious of your design skills, getting that slide just right. With I'm assuming ten other product managers. Yeah, yeah, you can't do this kind of work yourself, Karen. I mean, this is this takes a team. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this takes a team. You know, there, there's a team of architects, designers. You know, it's 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 not easy. Um, Listen, we laugh, so, but what some of yeah. my fondest memories, Vijay, I have to say, were just dialing in those Bluetooth slides just right with you know with mm. you in our uh, in our <laughs> office. I think it was great. I think there's there's a curve, Karen, and. About let's say oh I don't know forty five minutes into a slide, you're yeah. on the on the kind of wrong end of that curve, oh, for and sure. so there's um, but there. but I, I I do I do see what you're saying, yeah, you know you know Kieran, um, our listeners do come to us for uh, current events uh, as you know, um, so we should we should talk about the news and um, a weird thing happened today, um, there was this uh, American soldier who escaped to North Korea. What? He was, yeah. So he was on his way. He had been expelled from South Korea because uh, of some sort of assault and was, and I don't understand the geography of the situation, but he was at some sort of airport, just joined some sort of tour group. Oh, my and, God. And then did a runner and went he was, running. He was going to be extradited to be tried in the U.S. So he was going to be, he was a U.S. soldier. He was, uh, had got oh, trouble. Be in tr- or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And was facing trouble in the U.S. So Bruh. he thought he was better off running into North Korea, which. Not the brightest person, I would say. We don't know. Right? Like, because I don't know how many years he was facing. 
could be worse than North, lifetime imprisonment in North Korea. <laughs> no, because actually, I think a prison in America has certain amenities that I suspect many in North Korea don't have. For example, um, I've been listening to a podcast called The Lazarus Heist. You and I, I'm sure, have spoken about it before. Yeah. And um, uh, one of the contributors to that podcast was talking about living as a, as an American journalist for a while in North Korea and just how hard day-to-day life was, even for somebody of means like her. Like, it was freezing. There's no heat. Right? Hospitals don't have heat. country? Yeah, yeah. Like, hospitals don't have heat. And and wow. it's uh, bitterly cold. Yeah. So, um, so Look, yeah. North I, I think Korea you, does not, you, it just doesn't seem fun. It, it seems like no. everyone has to basically give up amenities so that Kim Jong-il, Kim Jong-un, which one are we on? Un? I think we're on Un now. We're un. on Un, right? Kim Jong-un. Yeah. Uh, I can make the best dad joke now if like, you know, his son is Kim Jong-dos. I don't know. Oh, that would be amazing. Rough. Yeah, we'll edit this out. Don't worry. Um, uh, but yeah, it just seems like everyone's giving up so much just so he can live at a basic middle class level. You know what I mean? <laughs> right? Like, well, it's weird, right? Because it's a basic middle class level, but in some ways, it's insanely luxurious. Like, yeah. I wonder, like, do you think it's like living like a medieval prince? Yeah, exactly. Right. So on on the one hand, like you know, you have people at your hand, yeah, you know, waiting on your hand and foot. Right. Um, but on the other hand, you know, you don't necessarily have heat. You know, uh, That's what works for the, for Kim Jong-un. Then. I guess that's what works for him. Yeah, well, let's yeah. not piss off the North Koreans in this episode either. But that's there a, goes that's another a demographic. bit of news. And I'll be honest, like, I'm coming to this podcast for news these days because I'm clearly out of the loop. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I guess we should dive in, right, Karen, uh, right, uh, Karen to uh, today's subject. Yeah, for sure. So, Please uh, kick us so off. Today's sub- yeah, so uh, today's subject was actually spawned from a, from another piece of news. I'm a bit of a news junkie. And uh, that was about the creation of a country called Slojamistan. And so the country of Slojamistan was created by, uh, and this probably won't come as a surprise uh, to anybody, but by a DJ. And um, uh, he created this country uh, somewhere close to San Diego. Uh, And it's about, I think it's like five acres. Uh, uh, And uh, he has a visa application process. he himself has created his own passports for his country and has got stamps from 16 countries around the world where he's visited uh, with his passport. It uh, got me thinking. That's incredible. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, there's, there are these weird instances, right, of, of, of kind of weirdo countries, right? Like, do you remember there was that one in the middle of the sea, which was an oil rig? Do you remember that one? Yeah, see, some someone was see something, something. Right? yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So it's not that it hasn't been done before, but it got me thinking. You know, if this guy could do it, why can't I do it? Right, yeah, and I mean, like, um, 
this particular yeah. story is reminding me of uh, Emperor Norton, right? He was a resident of San Francisco and declared himself king. Declared himself oh, emperor, actually. Yeah. And people recognized it, dude. Like in in San Francisco in, when was this? 1880, he died. But he um, proclaimed himself Norton the first emperor of the United States. Like he didn't even try and create a new country. He just wanted to take over the existing one. Yeah. And uh, some people you, followed him up until you, you got to admire you got to admire the efficiency there. You know, a lot of times in tech we talk about build versus buy, and he could have built a country, <laughs> yeah, right. But instead, he just said, "I'm just going to declare this one to be mine." So yeah. When when he died, do you think he got like a, a state funeral? I think his state threw him a funeral, yes. Yes, he could. I'm sure it was um, the... But look at this. According to the San Francisco Chronicle, upwards of 10,000 people lined the streets of San Francisco to pay him homage. That's not... Wow. That's not nothing. That's a huge group of people. I mean, uh, this guy... Just by declaring himself Emperor of the United States. Yeah. Got 10,000, effectively 10,000 followers. What and here we you are. What do, with your, with your new country? Well, I, I got to get, I mean, I kind of feel like I've got to do better than 10,000 people like there at my state funeral for my country. Yeah. Right. So, um, which means actually so kind of which means that it has to be a place that other people want to live too. Um exactly, yeah. So let let me kind of provide a bit bit of some of the thinking behind this, right? So uh after emigrating from uh, the United Kingdom to uh LA in 1984, um I can understand why people chose to live in places like Minnesota when you know, there was nothing stopping them from living in LA or Hawaii. Um, and I'm still baffled by that. And so I think for, for my country, right, I would want to put it uh, somewhere forward thinking because, you know, countries aren't that portable, right? So it's got to be somewhere where the climate is pleasant, but it's not going to turn into a desert, you know, in the next 50 odd years. Um, so, and, you know, just as with any other kind of real estate, location is everything, right? So I'm thinking, why not Santa Barbara? Okay. I thought Santa Barbara was south enough that, you know, a drought is, isn't it still in drought country? No, it's kind of, it's definitely cooler up there or down there, I guess, relative to us. Um, um, or relative to me, um, yeah, up there for me, for you, right? South yeah. America. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's, it's certainly cooler than LA. Um, definitely gets a bit of a chill in the winter. The other thing that's really important is you don't want to be landlocked, you know, as a nation, mm-hmm. right? It's important, you know, that, that you have waterfront. If people, otherwise people don't respect you, you know, and it's important to have respect too when you, you know, when you're a country. Right. So kind of thinking, you know, thinking through the country, you know, more is that your location's good. 
right? But, you know, as with any endeavor, it's really important to be clear on the why, right? And so in this situation, you know, I spent some time pondering this and, you know, thinking back to our uh, our North Korean dictator, one of the Kim Jongs. So you say, why does he do this? And he does it because it makes him happy. Right. And, and I found that inspirational, you know, and I thought, you know, uh, so, so I was talking about the, the motivation and the why, right. And I was saying that I was inspired by uh, Kim Jong-un. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think it's completely reasonable for an entire nation worth of people to be subjugated based on um, a person's self-actualization. Mm-hmm. That, that makes sense to me. Right. Good. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad we're on the same page. Now, come on, the thing is, I'm I'm kind of one of more of those liberal monarchs, you know, kind of more woke. Right. So it's really important same for me more. to feel like I'm. It's really important for me to feel like I'm liked, you know. And and I think that there, there's a better model than Kim Jong Un for for a monarchy, and and that is Kim Jong Un thinks he's liked. I guess nobody's told him he's not, right? Yeah. Back it up. Kim Jong-un is loved, according to Kim Jong-un. That's a good point. That's a very good point. But I, I you think don't he'd think be in very much the same state. I Maybe he wants to be feared. So maybe you... So I, I guess I don't know his own personal motivations, but um, hmm. from what I've seen of like, there are, what, Grand Emperor days, right? There's like parades in his honor. People are like smiling, holding... Uh, Kim Jong Un figurines mm. and things like that, right? But Those... aren't they forced to do it? Uh, it? It seems like they're coerced into doing that, perhaps. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming in your country, if everyone doesn't completely love you, you'd coerce them a little bit. I mean, Kieran, uh, here's here's what I'm hoping for. Right, right. Well, what I'm hoping for is more of a a British monarchy style thing, where the British are amazing. Like I. Saw this picture. It was somewhere sometime around the coronation of King Charles the Third, right? Um, and um, it showed this guy on a boat rowing King Charles somewhere, and and Camilla. And what struck me as odd about it was for the person doing the rowing, a portion of their pay was coming from their own taxes. So they were basically paying themselves for the privilege of rowing this other guy down the river. Oh, and they yeah, were over the moon. Yeah, they're, they're super happy to do that. Right? And, and you know, all these people are out but, on the streets you, cheering. If you buy into the monarchy, if you go, if yeah. you're completely sold on the monarchy, in theory, King Charles's ancestors donated most of the country's wealth to the country, Right. Because they they own I, like eighty percent of all like the important land up yeah in, yeah yeah up until a few hundred years ago, and then mm, mm. so like I he, I, I guess he, he the, the, they're still the by far and away the biggest landowners in uh, in that place in the country, and um, but you know. A significant portion of the country love the monarchy. And 
I think what helps is, you know, you do things like you take their money in the form of taxes, fund your lifestyle, but then you give a little bit back. Uh, like, you know, that's a, a good move. A, yeah. Like a Christmas, like the queen would give like 10 pounds to the old people, that's which is genius. nice. Because you, you get right? the kids early, right? Like the kids don't get 10 pounds from anyone yeah. else. The queen gives them no. 10 pounds. When, when we were kids, like kids and I, uh, at the queen's centennial, we got these um, silver coins. Yeah, that's incredible. Right? And right, can you imagine like kind of one coin to every kid in the country? Okay, so right? with all this, I, I believe we've talked about this on this podcast, but like, did you love your queen? No. <laughs> were you a little bit cut up when she died though? Not even a little bit. So the yeah, it, it, it coin did not work on you, Jake. It, it didn't work. It didn't, she needs to do better. From the British mistakes for your own country. But, but, you know, I think look at me as an outlier. There were tens of thousands of people lining the street. Yeah. Who were over the moon. Right. And you get a day off, which is nice. You know, and I, I would say like kind of one of the benefits of a well-functioning monarchy is, um, you create these cultural moments around the monarchy, right? Like things yeah. like celebrating the coronation, which is nice. It brings the country together. Coronation, um, weddings. Yeah. Yeah. Births, so, princes. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And everybody loves like kind of looking at the royal baby, you know, things like that, yeah. which is fun. Right. So. They seem to love it. Yeah. 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 So I think, you know, I think I could build a model where my subjects would like me. Can you, can you imagine like the, so imagine like I formed the country and we're on day one of the country and I'm doing a public address. And for the first time ever, I refer to my subjects as my subjects. Imagine there's a crowd, there's a, there's a throng and I refer to, do you think they'd all wince a little bit when I refer to them as my subjects? I think so. I um, think they would. Here's right? why. Here's why. Well, let's mm. just step back to the British monarchy again. And I, I just want you to know, and I, I hope this doesn't offend our listeners too bad, but I, for the life of me, I cannot take anyone who loves the monarchy seriously. I just can't. It's tough for me. And is that I, I have a... and is that going to be your entire country, VJ? Is people who like love you? Uh, or, that's or, a great or, question. So here's my my other problem is that I just don't know enough people, right? Like I haven't met reasonable people who love the monarchy, and so oh. I haven't had time to like, you know, build rapport, understand where they're mm. coming from. So I just that's why I can't just they're almost caricatures to me of people who like beat yeah. People magazine and you know they they love the the queen and. Um, it's just so confusing. Let let me uh, try and sell you on it in a in a different way. Okay. Um. So so maybe the reason maybe they actually have reason to love me. It becomes a, a problem a couple of generations down the road, and the reason why they love me is because I've 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 got you know some principles, right? Which uh, I listed as my ten commandments. And I want to go through them. And I think, you know, if you saw this, 
right? I think if you saw this, right, you would um, you say, you know, I would like to live there, right? Um, so my Ten Commandments would be, like, you know, be nice to everybody, like everybody, just be kind, right? And let people be and let them be whoever they want to be or whoever, not just want to be, but need to be, right? Just leave them alone, right? And so that's one thing. Right? Second thing is, I don't think anybody should be hungry, right? I think everybody should have the right to uh, 2,000 calories per day of nutrition. It's a very practical um, commandment. I, I, kinda, I appreciate that one. Yeah, right? Next one, right? Uh, next, I'll kind of do the next two together, right? It's healthcare and housing for all. I, I don't think anybody should be homeless. I don't think uh, anybody should die, you know, unnecessarily, right? Because, you know, of healthcare costs. Um, and number five, I'm quite proud of, right? Which is um, access to higher education for all. And the reason why I'm proud of that, and I think it's going to be important uh, for the country is that, uh, by having a well-educated population, uh, we should be productive and uh, it will generate money uh, for the country. Now, I mean, one sticking point here is, do you believe mm. that more education will lead to more productive people? This is This is true in like a country like the United States where access to education is actually kind of confined to a certain set of people, right? But let's say every single person has higher education. Some people are getting PhDs, Vijay. PhDs in mm -hmm. ethnomusicology. I'm picking on ethnomusicology because yeah. that's the only um, major I know that, you know, it, it's a tough study. If you study ethnomusicology, your your career path is to be an ethnomusicology professor. It's limited, right? It's limited. It's limited for sure. Um. So if you give higher education to everyone, yeah. are, are they more productive? I, I think our society is better because as part of your education, uh, you should be developing critical thinking skills, right? So, Ooh, so you're going to change like, the curriculum. Right. So when it comes down to like things like voting and things like that, right, even, even without changing the curriculum, right? Like regardless of your background, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, even, you know, when you do like a, even when you do like a humanities major or something like that, like those good, those folks are really good at thinking things through, right? And uh, and weighing up options, right? And, and you know, in a similar way, right? People with kind of more of a technical background, right? They too have have a way of analyzing things. So I think if we overall we elevate our ability to to analyze things, I think we can do more. Right. And I, and I think, um, um, I think we can be better citizens, uh, as oh, well. Interesting. So okay. I think there's one way we could take this, which is, let's say I'm actually going to start a country, maybe to the North of your country, BJ, I might take, uh, okay. Southern California, uh, I'll take Northern California. Mm -hmm. I'm actually in agreement, I think until there. And I think the access to higher education makes some sense, but I, I would actually remove the credentialing of high school, undergrad, grad. And oh, like all, all the institutions would be public, mm. 
right? Yeah. And yeah. you are not forced to go to the institutions, but mm. the institutions are forced to have classes out in the open. Oh, I like, you know, kind of following your train of thought. What if it's about kind of like a kind of Socratic style education, you know, where it's about like deep learning. Yeah. Like, you know, you really focus on like, like, yeah, people like really understanding things well. Right. And, um, so it's not about, you know, test taking so much as it is about helping you on your educational journey, whatever pace that is and whatever direction that takes. Right. But it's almost like you have a civic duty. You're going to have a bunch of standardized robots Uh, in my country. I'm going to have like, you know, no, I'm, I'm stealing it. I'm stealing your idea. idea. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm adopting it. I'm adopting, adopting. Um, oh, I'm gonna have to find a find a new. This pivot. is this is how tensions happen between countries. It's stuff like yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. You stole uh, so, my so, platform. Yeah. Well, I, I, I well, so I, like, like I say, I do think I, I definitely stole your idea around not having those kind of divisions and those layers. Right. But I feel like I improved it, Karen, with my kind of Socratic style, Socratic style. Um, mm. you know, just like kind of discussion and, and, and debate and thinking. And like, so, so the net result is like kind of deeply educated people. Um, and, and we, we celebrate this, this kind of intellect that our, that our country has, right? Like it's, it's a source of national pride. Mm. But I'm gonna. Well, maybe I need five-year plans or something. I'll bring a little socialism into my country and see if yeah, I can well, incentivize I mean, people into. Because you've got capitalism here, so I'm gonna have to. Uh, well, so I mean, I've got. A little bit. Yeah, I mean, I've got a kind of like a socially socialismy capitalism, right? Like a Nordic-style capitalism, I right? See. Whereas, I, I, would you go more libertarian? Do you think? Small government. Uh, I don't know. I've, I'm too scarred now that I've, I used to be a far more libertarian bent, I think when I'm, when I was younger, but now that I've seen uh, Chile and I've learned a lot more about India's dark history of, uh, oh, I love that podcast empire, by the way, we'll just, we should plug Amazing. it. Amazing. Yeah. But yeah. It, Everybody it really got me thinking on how India was effectively ruled by a corporation for, you know, 200 years and, mm. uh, that didn't necessarily do us any favors as a country. Let's just let's just say that. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't do, know. Do, By libertarian, do, 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 though, I still don't think I would have too many things that are coerced on people, like we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. I, I would, I would like to invent almost some sort of non-coercive socialism, which doesn't exist right now. But you know. It feels like a social engineering mm. project that should be undertaken at some point. What's what's uh, coercive about socialism? Well, because at some point you have to make people, especially the rich, thing. give up their thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. And that's a tough sell when to the person you know, who's giving it up are the more powerful. So you have to like almost mm. create a class of people who have assets, but. Mm-hmm believe in giving it up for the greater good or for the rest of society. Mm-hmm. So that's a social engineering project, really. 
to get to get them to give up some stuff. Yeah, because I mean, like someone has to give up something for socialism. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I agree, but I don't think relying on their good nature is a solid strategy. I think you know, if you look at the increasing in inequality in in the U.S., right, that doesn't seem to be working very well. Even yeah, with, you know, I, build- that's why. I, but in, the U.S. doesn't even pretend to like socialism, right? The, the U.S. is no, 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 firmly capitalist and relying on good intentions. I'm saying we need to come up with some social engineering method. And a lot of people will claim that it's impossible. Maybe. Mm. I think there are countries that have tried, but have been mm. like, most notably Chile recently, I've learned. Okay, t- Which, tell me more. You know, there's a, right, bef- right before the coup, right? The guy Pinochet, the Pinochet, mm. overthrew was a dude named Allende, right? And a lot of Chile's most famous people, Pablo Neruda being the one that was so famous in India, and um, even though I don't think he's super popular in the States, mm. and uh, Gabriel Mistral, they were noted socialists, communists, right? Mm-hmm. Of course, they were... Uh, Gabriela Mistral was really interesting. Like, she did not have a... I don't even think she graduated high school. But what mm-hmm. ended up happening is, because she was just a great teacher, she rose up the ranks, led the teachers' union. She um, eventually became, like, one of the heads of the educational boards. And she fought for the longest time to make sure that anyone could become a teacher. She didn't want any formal education for teachers or certification. And like, she is literally probably the second most famous person in all of Chile for a good Mm. part of her life. She was the first woman uh, in South, she was the first South American to win the Nobel Prize. Like, she was a big deal. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, Interesting. But she was fighting against regulation, against uh, licensing. And the sad thing is she eventually lost. Eventually, the teachers union was able to form some sort of certification board and then made sure that all the teachers go through some formal, you know, university Mm. program plus a licensing program to become a teacher. Um, But, you know, Chile had a very strong route of trying to figure out a way of Mm. um, being able to help all the people. And this was, uh, I think, a... It's it's hard to understand like why this is the case, but it would have been a really cool national experiment. And what ended up happening is this experiment was going on in the middle of the Cold War. And so when U.S. intelligence forces heard about this, they kind of threw f- fuel on the fire for the reactionary groups that were opposed to Allende's socialist agenda. Mm-hmm. Right. And so... Pinochet was the kind of culmination of all of this. And what's funny is like only in the last 10 years did, are some of the CIA documents released from this period. So the U.S. involvement is really interesting, but I don't know a ton about it. Um, mm. But what I do know is like this social grand socialist experiment, I think I would have gone major changes in my mind that I've been reading about is how more land should be commonly owned. And Mm. traditionally, commonly owned has meant owned by the government, which has Mm. another set of problems, right? Like if everything Mm. is owned, Mm. if a lot of stuff is owned by the government, 
oftentimes it becomes too hard to manage because the government is again a centralized group. Whereas instead, um, and this is one of Christopher Alexander's ideas that I, I kind of loved and I've kind of been thinking about recently. Um, his idea is every single, all the farms and uh, wildlife and things like that, that needs to be commonly own, owned. Um, it should be... Hey, all, did you say all the farms? All the farms. And oh, interesting. By commonly owned, he doesn't mean anyone can do anything to it. There's obviously rules and mm. regulations around use of a farm. And there's mm -hmm. obviously like, you know, some people need to be stewards of that land and, you know, they, they're in charge of like tilling it. But if you mm, want to yeah. walk onto a farm, you should be able to, if you want to walk, no water bodies should be privately owned. So no privately owned lakes because they're important to people in general. They're, you know, natural formations. Um, these are things does that, that mean, are important. Does that mean that every company can kind of pull up and next to the lake and, and drain it? That's why you need like fair use laws, right? Just as you have fair yeah. use laws for common, uh, mm. you know, books that are, that are very old now have gone into mm. common use, but that doesn't mean you can take the book, slap someone else's name on it and just like start mm. printing, right? And like put your name mm. on like mm. an old copy of a book and, and mm. print it. Mm. But you'd have to come up with a whole new set of laws for common things. And I don't necessarily think that those things should pass to the government. Um, for mm. a similar thing mm. with like libraries, instead of just mm. having libraries with books, you also mm. have libraries with tools, with computers, with like tons mm. of, these are like common use things mm. that would, you know, we, it would like aid in the socialist experiment, but, um, I, I, I guess I digress. I think that's where I would de defer from you, VJ. I'm hoping that will give my country an edge in the ongoing wars with your country. But yeah. uh, your point number six is capitalism works well. I'm going to try socialism. I'm going to see what, what happens with us. Um, I, you know, I think, I think one of the things about your comments that uh, make a lot of sense to me is we do need more experimentation like like we need more ideas right and it kind of feels like right now like in kind of to varying degrees like american capitalism seems to be the model that people are kind of adopting right um and so there's no other way of looking at it right and so the problem with that is you know you have a handful of very very powerful people you know, and so I, I like the idea that 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 your country would be different from mine, and I celebrate that, Karen. And I and I want to say that our country should be friends. Um, well, given that we're going to start around the same time as rival countries, Vijay, I expect this to be a feud for many years. Um, maybe eventually, oh my gosh. we can be friends, but. Uh, as it goes with many countries that form around the same time, I, I could see us having healthy yeah. rivalry. Maybe we channel this into sports, VJ. Maybe we both have sports yeah. teams. That's the rivalry. Well, we're, not, we're not sharing a border, are we? I thought I would take the Northern California and you oh, were taking... Oh, okay, that's right. Oh, yeah. else, uh, so, I kind of want San yeah, Francisco and the Bay Area, I think. Okay. I do think they're right. hopelessly mismanaged right now. Some people are saying that things are okay, but... 
I, I've heard yeah. from Twitter that um, the area yeah, there is pretty roughed up. They're, they're looking for change, and so <laughs> you could you could be the antidote. Um, Follow me, Bay Area. Yeah. The, the funny yeah. thing is, I hate the Bay Area, so I, I'd be a terrible emperor. But uh, I'll do my best. But no, no, you would craft it, reshape it into something different. And maybe there would be a mass exodus uh, of people who don't buy into your values. In fact, you'd be quite threatening to a lot of these people, right? That's true. Um, so, so mean, kind I'd, of I'd what, what? Move. They can go to Austin. I don't know. There, there you go. There you go. Right. And you'd replace them with other folks, right, uh, who would be happy to live uh, in your world. Um, Before we go further uh, in the commandments, can we kind of like just shape the landscape a bit? So I know you wanted a portion of Santa Barbara, but are you thinking yeah. of a micronation just around Santa Barbara? Because I was kind of thinking bigger where I think you should go Santa Barbara all the way down to mm -hmm. San Diego. And then I would take San Luis Obispo SLO all the way yeah, up yeah. to the Bay Area. Oh, and there's some very nice real estate. Prime real estate, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know what? Why not? Why not? Uh, you, you know, we'd have like, um, for, for me at least, like, I would have like, kind of like diversity of climates. Yeah. Which might be would. nice, you yeah. know. Um, and uh, even if everybody leaves, right, they'll leave behind a bunch of infrastructure, which might be useful. Um, you know, infrastructure is nice. Infrastructure is uh, good. Or, right, albeit crumbling a bit. Um, we can, you can uh, bring in more people from the Southern border. You can, you can have a very fair immigration policy and I'm sure you'll get people from, uh, Baja, California, uh, Northern regions of Mexico. I think that'd be awesome. Yeah. 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 So, um, just kind of finishing out the list, um, um, I, I think it's uh, important that we don't screw up the environment. Um, I think guns yeah. are stupid. We shouldn't do guns. Um, Wait, but I, you I liked your point. Everyone gets guns, but ammo is really expensive. Yeah. Or no one can. Is ammo banned in your country? I think it's banned. Uh, there was a Chris Rock many years ago where he spoke about, I think it was Chris Rock, who spoke about making bullets $5,000 a bullet. Yeah, so yeah. you have to be really sure, right? Like the, so maybe that's, that, maybe that's a good bit. Yeah, it is. Maybe, maybe that's a good model. Because <laughs> right? then, you know, like the person doing the killing was really committed to it, right? Yeah. And so at a minimum, they won't have that much regret when they're sitting in jail. Um, so, um, you know, freedom to worship. Uh, and then kind of most importantly, don't kill me, right? Um yeah, I'd put that number so, one, Vijay. I think that seems like an important one. Yeah, you know, I thought about the ordering here, and the obvious thing to do is to, to make it number one. But by placing yeah. it the way I placed it, below these other values, I feel like it leads you to this, where you don't you don't want to kill me. I've done a nice job. You know. Um, you one through nine, you kind of agree with everything, and you're like, okay, how bad can 10 be? And you kind of skip over it a little you, bit. Yeah, yeah, you know, maybe like, oh, it's fine. Right. And, um, you know, another kind of attribute of my monarchy because I was worried about my kids, right, is, you know, oftentimes the kids, one, are less altruistic. Uh, mm -hmm. And two, 
which then, you know, inevitably leads to a revolution and, and, and the death of my children. Uh, and so I don't want that. So what I was thinking was, you know, at the end of my term, uh, post-state funeral, they do an election and they elect a new monarch. I've wondered um, why no one does this. This proper, this seems like, um, and maybe, maybe actually, what am I saying? I think a, a couple of countries do do this, right? They elect a monarch. It's not so much electing a monarch as like, it, China is kind of like this, right? I mean, there's a party. It's yeah, not yeah. like they're, they're it's not a hereditary system, but um, someone else is chosen, not demo- mm-hmm. democratically, but through the party. Mm. But it's someone else. It's not like a, but it does I, I think seem it, like. Yeah, um, I, I would be worried about like kind of handing off because I think the challenge with handing off is you get stagnation, right? And kind of like a very fixed mindset and and way of thinking. And that might not bode well, right? As circumstances in the world change, you might need a different set of values for the country to thrive. And I want to, you know, I, I want the country to thrive, obviously, as the, as the founder of it, you know? And so, um, I, I think like a full on democratic election would be interesting. But let, but, let's. Uh, wait, so, like, con- what was the concern with the handoff again? I, I don't get it. Oh, so so I was saying that um, if you suppose I suppose I chose my successor. Yeah. Right. The problem their, their is thought their thinking is too much like you potentially for. A yeah, 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 yeah. Like this, like I'm using my judgment to decide. You know who's who's going to be really good at this. Yeah, right. So yeah, everything yeah. goes through the filter of me, and I think That's change is good. In, in a country, I don't think you want that. You want the transition to be peaceful, but I think you mm-hmm. want the transition to be chaotic. Like you want new things to happen. You want like yeah, a shake yeah, up, yeah. Right? You don't yeah, want it yeah. to be like you, pretty much like the same people. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I guess you know if, if you look at the U.S. and the Obama-Trump transition, Trump-Biden, right? We had some change, right? Like it. We had some change. shook things up for sure. It shook things up. But it's it's funny like how how much changes in terms of perception, but how many things really have to stay the same? Because uh, the US doesn't, it, it's hard to change things, right? And everyone's <laughs> seen that. And um, this system is, is set up in a way that it is hard to change like major rules, which is a, it's a good thing. In, in mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah. And then like, but that does mean you guess very well at the beginning. And if you look at the U.S.'s founding, right, you know, you put out a constitution and immediately you knock out a whole bunch of amendments saying, oops, we forgot a few things. Yeah. But then, then you got to like a kind of critical mass of them, right? You go, oh, it's pretty good what we got now. You can make it you know, we should, really hard to add yeah. a new, new amendment. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let, let's move on a bit, Kieran. Um, let's talk about traditions. Right, so um, found some interesting traditions around the world, right? So in Denmark, um, if you're not married by your 25th birthday, you get powdered with cinnamon. I don't know why. I I don't know why. I thought it was to make them more appealing to potential uh, suitors. Did did you guys in in your part of India, did you guys use uh, haldi to 
like kind of before a wedding to beautify everybody? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, not my. Uh, maybe I don't think my specific people like that. The I don't think the Telugu's do that much haldi, but um, Nritya yeah. certainly had the haldi spread all over. So and so did I. Yeah, I I, I certainly did as well. Yeah, um, the haldi uh, turmeric. Uh, so um, so yeah, so definitely you know some weird traditions kind of bind the country together. I think. Um, so, uh, one of the fun ones I thought was a cheese rolling uh, competition, uh, as well. I thought that was, that was pretty interesting, but I thought for us, like we need a modern tradition Yeah, uh, we need something that kind of reflects the state of the world today. And it'll be interesting because in the future, so, so my, my proposal was that we have like a cell phone tossing tradition where, you know, once a year, everybody. specifics of this VJ. Because um, I yeah. feel like you might lose a few citizens with this one. But it could be really good for the economy. So every Once year, you, you are basically forcing every year. the entire population. There's a forced refresh. Forced refresh. <laughs> what, what, what happens to the old ones? Like, you, Are you going to be the forefront what? in terms of recycling cell phones? Like You, you guys are going to have to do yeah, it well. Yeah, it becomes a given. Yeah, it becomes a given. Um, and then maybe like the one that... Would, that that's right. You, you would maybe violate the phone's principle a, number seven. Don't damage Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe um, the phones that survive are the ones that are heralded by society for their for their robustness. Um, and then, I, you know, I as see we th- in, in the picture you have here, which is very helpful, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. these people seem to be hurling them straight forward and then looking at them. So their cell phone will be mixed with hundreds of thousands of other cell phones creating potentially a days-long search for the cell phones that may have survived. These details, Karen. These are details. I'm sure I'm sure this is all solved with an app. Right? <laughs> um, the most for two weeks, cell phone finding app. For, for two weeks, nobody can make a phone call. It just doesn't work. <laughs> you know? Oh, my God. Um, but, you know, I was thinking, it was like, imagine you start this tra- a tradition, right? And then 500 years later, there are no cell phones, but the tradition continues somehow. Right. And um, they're just like hurling random bricks of aluminum and glass. Yeah, yeah it's like chunks of wood or something like that. Yeah. And nobody's really sure why you do it. Right. And over time, like these these little strips of wood become increasingly less phone-like uh, in nature, right? Maybe somebody's kind of done a kind of a plush toy kind of around it, you know, um, or somebody's done the, the earth-themed one, right? And, it, and it's a strip of grass, you know. Um, so I, I think it'd be interesting to see how it, how it evolves uh, over time. Yeah, yeah. It's um, definitely an important... Uh message behind the whole thing because i think it would be cool to have like a national day of no cell phone use of no cell phone national no cell phone day current i think that's a good tradition i I don't know if how them how the mobile be a good day for the mobile operators to do all their updates yeah um so i I thought that was a nice uh nice tradition uh karen um but you haven't asked me what I thought was the most obvious question, which is 
If you're a country, you've got to have a name, right? And so, um, and the name's important, right? It, it, it's going to, they're not easy to change. No. You know, they, they project your national character and national values, right? Yes. And so, and as the monarch, my, my, my values, right? So, um, so hence the name for my country is Funistan. Funistan. So yeah. not the kingdom of Funland. Kind of like Funland too, you know. Now you think about it, and what I liked about Funland, I mean, to be honest, Funland I think, sounds I think, more theme park than country. Yes, but it did kind of, you know, just jive right there with Finland. So the Finns would have hated us. The Finns would have hated you guys. Funland, yeah. oh, I love it. But you have to and be this, a little bit annoying, right? You have to put like the yeah. lot on top of the U, so it's like Funland or something. Oh, I like it, and and you know, it could be this kind of this national rivalry between us and the Finns, you know, where the funds you know, the, and the Finns, yeah, the funds <laughs> and the Finns. And, you know, we're always making jokes about them, you know, and they're making jokes about us, you know, um, and, uh, you know, inevitably it leads to war at some point. Um, you but need to, uh, you need to start like a state owned mobile operator called Nukia or something. Yeah. Oh, I like it. Yeah, everything we do is just kind of just to troll them just a bit. Troll them. Yeah. Um, so that could, that could um, be a very powerful national character. It's just you are against the Finns for for no against reason. the Finns. That, that, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I go out and I'm just doing these diatribes, like these kind of maniacal, you know, anti-Finnish <laughs> diatribes. Exactly. You know, sentiment is so yeah. high. You, you don't yeah. have any, anyone from Finland. There's no one. Yeah. From Finland in your country, uh, we we actually have a word that that is specifically describes our national sentiment towards the Finns. It seems like the right thing to do. That'd be so. Um, yeah, I, I I think the more yeah, I, I was going to say the problem with Funistan, it sounds almost sinister. Like, you know, I kind of see this almost evil looking smiley face. It was, so, it was weirdly intimidating. So if people look yeah. at the... Initially, when I looked at this flag, I was like, these people are a bunch yeah. of peace lovers. They're, they're not going to pose a threat to anybody. But if you stare mm. deeply into the smiley face's eyes that graces your flag, mm. he's pretty diabolical. And, yeah. Um, I don't know, I yeah, there, there could be something... diabolical. There, there could be something really twisted. The other thing I'm thinking about now... Kieran, is the flag's got, the character on the flag has got blue eyes. Yeah. Maybe I should do like one blue, one brown to recognize, you know, like we are the world. Um, huh. I like how you have two shades of yellow. That was an interesting choice. Yeah. I, how you did you make this I flag? The, did you just go? I mid journey What is this, paint? No, I mid journeyed it. You what, was you, what did you say? I used mid journey. Oh, you mid journeyed it. Oh, yeah. I don't know why I heard I me candied it. I was like, oh. is this a new app for creating flags? Oh. Yeah. 
So, so yeah, I never actually this flag. Yeah, yeah. You gotta give me what's the um, problem? Uh it's a good question. Uh Just I like think the vibe. Like what, what was like the general like, Yeah, it, it it was the gist the gist of it was um I, I think it was actually our national flag. Like it's 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 you know, draw a flag for the country of Funland and our national flag re- reflects our fun loving nature. They came out with this uh, maniacal, maniacal smile, two-toned yeah. yellow, blue eyes. Yeah, yeah, that that right there is is. Dude, this is motif, the, the more I look at your flag, the more things, yeah. the more um, aspects I'm seeing. Because like, it's kind of like the beach and the ocean and like the sunset. Yeah. Kind of like you know my country. Yeah. Right, you know. Um, did you did you tell Midjourney that you were considering the land around Santa Barbara when you? No, no, wow. I didn't. I didn't. So, um, uh, you know, if anybody's interested in uh, joining the country, uh, I'm taking uh, visa applications now. Um, uh, so just, you know, go ahead and reach out to us at, uh, one with thought at gmail.com. I wonder, Karen, like, could we apply for a country, uh, a country domain name? Yeah. You know, like a, cool. yeah, a little like a dot CA dot FN. Could I get like a dot FN? Yeah. Yeah. Or just dot fun. I think dot fun already exists, but then you kind of like, you can restrict that domain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if anybody's enjoying uh, interested in joining the country, uh, either my country or or Kieran's uh, That's questionable right. country. That's country, which is a monarchy. If you join my country, you can get in on the ground floor, be a, a founding member, and uh, potentially we'll divvy up the oh. land equally. We'll see. We'll see how crazy. Yeah, Kieran, I've got to say, you've consistently won up me in terms of your country versus mine. Uh-huh. You know, I like that. Yeah, co-opted I, your your episode to launch my own country as well. Man. Yeah, I've got to come through with something really solid. Free psychedelic drugs. Ooh. Psychedelic drug Saturdays. Just sign me up, PJ. I might have to leave Take my a, country to get the free psychedelic just, just, drugs. Just come on Saturdays. You can imagine like everybody coming across the border on Saturdays. Right? It's just a uh, mess. That's funny. Yeah. It's just a mess. Um, well, yeah, I, be good. I really enjoyed this one, PJ. Like, I think... Um, it definitely got me thinking, and I, I think it's going to set the stage for another weird idea next next week. Um, just as a quick preview, I've generated a spreadsheet with a with 150 of the largest cities, and I've been pain, meticulously uh, getting the data on all the direct flights between them. Just as a preview of what's coming next week. You know, you know how I have a good time. I know. You know, nothing says nothing says fun like a good spreadsheet. Yeah? You have slides, I have spreadsheets, VJ. We, wow. we all have wow. things we enjoy. All right. So, well, so I can't wait to see. I can't wait to uh, do this with you next week. It's going to be fun. Yeah, yeah. Till next time. All see right. You. Bye, everybody. Bye.